0: You are listening to an MLGA Network podcast. Welcome to Thank You for Your Servers, a show which looks at the tech news of today, but from a libertarian perspective. Now, here are your hosts, Thaddeus and Gary. Thank you for logging into, thank you for your servers. This is Thaddeus Preston aka Nick Way and this is a little mini episode minus Gary that is brought to you by, as always, the Make Liberty Great Again Network of Podcasts. From time to time, me or Gary will come across one of these kind of small stories that doesn't necessarily merit going into the big show, but just something to read, talk about, and just give a Brief synopsis and our breakdown, of course, from a liberty perspective, of the story in question, and since Gary is predisposed because of family stuff, because it's the holiday season and we need to spend time with our families, I figured I'd just do a little something, something to get something off my chest. uh read an article the other day, and and uh, quartz step was very, very interesting, and so I figured, why not, just for just for a brief moment, I'll give you. From my dulcet tones, my breakdown of an article that I have been reading and kind of analyzing and digging deep on, and the title of said article is "Drumroll, please." Silicon Valley engineers are starting to doubt the wisdom of working for startups. So let's dig into this and figure out why. Walter Freck is the author, and I'm just going to read it top to bottom here, and then give you my two cents or synopsis of what I feel are really going on. More than anything, Silicon Valley believes in startups. But that belief may be wavering. Some developers are publicly questioning whether working for a startup makes sense anymore, given the seemingly widening gulf between salaries startups can afford and how well big tech companies like Google and Amazon currently pay. And that has others in the valley questioning whether startups can attract the talent they need to get their concepts off the ground quote it is obvious to most everyone that the classic model of how you finance and build a startup team is breaking down in the current market environment with an adverse impact on expected returns once one commentator on the popular startup forum the comment was one of more than 350 as this writing posted on hacker news The news forum run by the Startup Accelerator Y Combinator in response to a blog post by Zane Zane Amro, a software engineer based in Berkeley, California. Pulling from, again, the Hacker News thread, working at most startups in their current form in a world full of growing tech giants like Google, Facebook, Apple, Netflix, etc. Is making less and less sense for most people. who who qualify for these jobs. It tells you a lot about the state of the industry when smart new grads are getting paid amounts that are out of reach for many early stage startups. To make the situation worse, the very good engineers, the ones who could truly help build a tech company from the ground up from day one, were getting offers so absorbent they could not possibly fathom turning them down. Many of the responses on the Hacker News share of our our uh, view, view that startups are a bad idea, especially for engineers. Large companies have long been able to offer better pay than startups, but the big tech companies' dominance widens the gap for a few reasons. First, they can afford to pay increasingly exorbitant salaries, Google's medium salary is 161,254 dollars, more than even most mid-level engineers make at a venture-backed startup. Second, their market dominance means their stock options can still be quite lucrative, negating the power of startups to lure employees with equity. Third, the tech giants already own many of the most valuable businesses in the te- and are able to ward off competition whether by outspending them or acquiring them. That makes it harder for startups to grow independently and eventually go public. As one Hacker News user put it, the days of the scrappy upstart coming along to unseat leaders doesn't seem anywhere near realistic, End quote. And if the plan is to sell the startup to Google in a few years, anyway, why not save yourself the trouble and just work there from the start? The Hacker News thread uh, did include lots of ideas for how startups can overcome these barriers to attract employees who might otherwise go to take big tech companies. Uh, An example of, you know, and there's kind of written out here, um, pay employees more by paying founders less, the class argument, um, The offer a four-day work week or sabbaticals, offer remote work, offer more generous and simpler stock uh, terms for stock options, uh, improve the interview process, Locate outside the Bay Area and other expensive startup hubs. Start a company that's less technical and so less in competition with big tech for high-level tech talent. We didn't find much discussion in the thread about using corporate culture as a way to lure, lure uh, away employees, despite the fact that culture is one of the top factors for developers in deciding whether to work at a particular location. And there had been, a lot, there have, had been no talk of prioritizing diversity and inclusion or mentoring as hiring tactics. Tech workers who prioritize mentorship say they prefer larger companies, and those who prize diversity say they prefer medium sized ones, according to the survey by Indeed. Of course, the grass is always greener. At one point, uh oh, I keep saying AMRO, AMRO, AMRO's blog post was ranked on Hacker News just one spot above. A piece titled Downsides of Working at a Big Tech at a Tech Giant. And that is the end of the article, so to speak. And my terrible, terrible attempt with my public school education to not completely stutter and stammer and stumble over my words. And generally speaking, a lot of the kind of examples that they've given of uh, things that startups can do to attract uh, this tech talent that can basically go off to these big tech companies and make uh, six figures starting, are are good ones, right? Um, Definitely the big one, and I find this, the more I read uh, the threads and the more I read really about the difficulties of housing in Silicon Valley is don't locate your company in Silicon Valley. And it's becoming increasingly uh, like, that's a thing tech companies are doing. They're building satellite offices everywhere. Austin, Denver, Boise, Idaho, Las Vegas, Nevada, Salt Lake City, Utah, and to a lesser extent, places like Oklahoma City, you know, Kansas City, Missouri, Minnesota—all these places that are not within uh, the technosphere bubble—that is, the West Coast. Um, it was a time where one could run off to Seattle, but Seattle has basically been suffering from the same kind of things that are going on in Silicon Valley, just in the last 10 years. So there's a lot of discontent out there. And I think this is generally a generational thing because not to kind of talk too bad about people who are younger than me and people who've come up behind me, or even just to yell at millennials and tell them, get off my lawn. I find that millennials, the good thing about millennials is they do value like cultural culture and diversity and work life balance more than previous generations. And I think that entail is a good thing. They definitely want their freedom, but they also tend to want their cake and eat it too. They also tend to think that their work output is worth way more than the market will actually bear. I read that. I read through most of the thread of that Hacker News, from Hacker News, and a lot of guys tend to think that their worth is a lot higher than it probably is for what they are paid in total compensation versus where they live. I suspect that if you're making $164,000 a year living in Salt Lake City or Denver, you're cool. I can attest in the Mountain West, that's good money. Uh, Anything over 105K is great money in this neck of the woods. But as you say, as the article was saying, it's harder and harder to attract that kind of talent. And a lot of big tech companies are actually kind of going out of their way to offer number three on their list, remote work. I work at a, a nuclear weapons laboratory here, and we hire the best and brightest. And we lose a lot of people completely, especially in our um, our HPC side of the house, which is high performance computing, uh, software engineer side of the house, and even you know hardware engineer side of the house. Uh, simply because like big tech companies suck us, suck people like us up here. Um, and they allow you to work remotely and occasionally have to fly back here. I suspect as time moves on, I think Facebook will discover that they have talent here that can be hired much cheaper than they could in the Valley. You could easily throw, uh, 30, 40% cheaper, um, labor costs with its, 40 to 50 percent cheaper labor costs here you could simply pay someone here 120 and not have to deal with nearly the amount of you know regulation for lack of a better word and the obscene like arms race (laughs) that you're dealing with in tech hubs like silicon valley increasingly denver increasingly austin texas increasingly other places in the region um i think salt lake is one of the outliers because like Mormons who typically go who typically go to University of Utah or BYU, or even go out of state and come back home, tend to don't leave Utah and so in my virtue of that effect, like their software engineers are greatly underpaid in that region, and it's been that way for a dec- well over a decade. But they like being near home. And so you, what you're going to find over time is Silicon Valleys are going to is going to move a lot of their operations. Not even offshore, because that, they did that 20 years ago, and that proved to be mm, a 50-50 proposition. Um, and there are just amazing tools out there that makes the uh, very clever software developer a, a, a highly productive commodity. But this brings up a bigger point, is the fact that, like, is Silicon Valley losing its swagger? I think, and I could be wrong, that the generation of people that are more of a we generation and a me generation are taking entirely, I don't know, I'm formulating my thought here on the fly and it doesn't make for great podcasting, but maybe they're just too soft and they don't like risk. And maybe the reason why they're soft and a risk adverse is because A, We've, never, we've been helicopter parodying that generation. B, they have absorbent college debt to pay off. And so it makes no sense to necessarily work for a startup that pays well, you know, according to us, us people in middle America, but isn't going to be quite enough in a high cost location like Silicon Valley in the Bay Area to pay back probably absorbent student loans. I think, honestly, the we factor of, their, of this generation of people, I think they care more about culture. And I think larger companies do a better job of not only at giving you stability and high pay, but a culture. You know, I don't necessarily like the woke culture that exists, but it's much more inclusive to this generation who, be, who believes in we. And so... Maybe that's just better for them. Working for a startup's pretty cutthroat. Um, it isn't for the faint of heart. It's constant, constant th- dread. Um, it's long hours. It's good pay, but you're taking a gamble with these very convoluted stock options you're given. Why do that? It's To me, it makes sense for me to work for a startup 20 years ago. But today? Nah. I'm good with my big I'm big I'm good with my kind of big tech corporate job, so to speak. Um if one is to call working for a nuclear weapons laboratory as a controls engineer big tech. Eh. We'll we'll see. Um but yeah, I, I think we've set these guys up for failure and I think the fact that the startup culture is also like they're finding that they really can't compete. You need to be ready to continue to live and eat like a grad student if you go to a startup but i think they don't they want their cake and eat it too they have this huge amount of debt that they need to pay off um they're very risk adverse generation they prefer much more work-life balance early on yeah it's going to be hard to find the best talent right i mean microsoft working for microsoft is cool again working for facebook is still cool working for alphabet is still pretty cool working for netflix is still pretty cool i mean you're you know working for even um non-tech companies but big companies i know i'm thinking like petroleum engineering um you know uh what's another good one here we are, we we hire for nuclear engineering here we we hire medical um biotech all these other you know that are you know that have lots of startups in their, in their realm, but like also have big established companies that are vertically integrated with all these types of technologies and stuff. And there's, there's this, you know, tech companies are better at entrepreneurship, right? I mean, you can run your own division. You can start your own thing. Um, you can spin off technologies. stuff, you can get the safety of working for a big company and still build within some of these big companies that have an agile kind of um, work environment, you, you can do it. Um, and not have to go out on a limb and stuff. Now, if I were giving advice to anyone, any young people coming out of high school or college, I would say go for a startup because you're going to learn a lot more of that startup, particularly as it fails and crashes and burns, that are great experiences that one can take to either A, be an entrepreneur, or B, go to a company and be an entrepreneur and just be the bomb at what you do within a larger organization. And also have the safety of benefits and, and decent pay. But that, that, was, that was just kind of my take on this article as a whole. And to extend this out a little bit more, it's getting, I think, as software engineers and full stack engineers and um, all these guys become more and more expensive, you're going to see a lot of the low level tasks within the software engineering realm, automated out by machine learning and uh, artificial intelligence, but m- mostly machine learning. I think also in the show notes, I'm going to include some um, links to some technologies, particularly for software developers, and some other things that are experimental based on um, research papers that have been written in the last 10 years that are, truly go through the process of giving you Artificial intelligence that generates code and I've been playing around with Bayou as one of them, which was basically uh, researchers at Rice University uh, using a deep uh, used a deep learning TensorFlow, uh to learn to generate methods from partial implementations uh, Java was the code uh, was the language they were using I've been to the site I actually generated a a, a file write kind of uh, a class, and there it is generated out, and that's simple stuff, right? That's stuff we do over and over and over again, particularly for those of us who are, who are in the coding realm. But there's so many things out there that can automate the task of writing code, and so I think this arms race will continue. But it's going to come a time where you're, if you're going to have to pay guys one hundred fifty to two hundred to three hundred to Hell in the art and the AI world, AI researchers that are mediocre coming out of most colleges that are known for AI or even the organizations that are known for AI AR, are getting half million dollars a year with options and or benefits. And pretty soon, like full stack engineers are going to command that, but you're going to, ha- but low level programmers, man, are, they're going to become a dime a dozen. A dime a dozen to the point where things like machine learning pure artificial intelligence and robot uh, process, uh, what is it, robotic process automation, which is basically um, automated automation that clicks buttons and inputs text and data for you, that stuff is going to move further and further down. And I don't see this stopping anytime soon when it comes to those types of things, but, you know, I'll have all this stuff in the show notes, basically the two articles um, that are of of interest to me and also the just kind of looking into the just read that hacker news thread and there's some dread there's some people you know thinking that they're better than they really are and that they should be paid more than they should there's some class warfare crap in there too but I mean that happens when you're that young um you know as a as a founder of a startup I think um, it should be within your ethos to take to be the last person getting paid, but to but to have the most upside when it came to, when it comes to options. But you know, a lot of these guys' complaints, um, which are somewhat valid, is the fact that founders are paying themselves exorbitant amounts of money from seed rounds, and you know that breeds a little bit of resentment. Even though I mean, they don't I don't think the rank and file engineer would have the wherewithal to convince people to give them millions of dollars and stuff like that. A lot of founders are taking that money and you know, uh, taking some money off the table. Um, I don't think they really realize how much work maybe goes in before even seed money comes in, but that's a, that's a typical class warfare argument. And, you know, some of it's valid, right? You know, you, when you build an organization, right, you should be, or, or i just I'll make it even simpler. When you cook a meal at the house and you've slayed over the stove all day, you still should be the last person to eat. And that's, you know, that's a, you know, I don't know if that's biblical. I don't know if that's uh, a, that, if that's a, a that has been taught throughout history, but I mean, it's not a good look for people in the Valley um, to the rank and file who feel uh, overworked and underappreciated and, you know, and don't be, don't doubt me that you're going to be overworked and underappreciated at a startup, but you gotta be the last person to eat, man. Right. You can get your upside later if you be, truly believe in the idea and that'll go a long way uh, to solve this problem but also there's a talent shortage right like we you know we spent an entire generation like r- having people run away from STEM fields. and i think we need to be encouraged that and i think we need to definitely start pushing programming and these other these other talents to the masses it shouldn't be a priesthood that knows how to you know uh chop you know you know chop up a a, a page using you know you know JavaScript or J or some sort of uh, programming uh, uh, framework for ingesting JSON and stuff like that. I mean, that's you know there shouldn't be like uh, a mystical nature of using pivot tables in a in a in a spreadsheet. Um, you know, uh, writing a word document, producing a podcast, um, all these things. These things shouldn't be mystical. We should start t- teaching much more of these technical skills because the AI is coming. The robots are coming. And while it may not be paradigm shifting to the point where, like, you know, when we wake up on, you know, January 2nd, like, we will have sentient AI, fusion energy, and ubiquitous 5G networks. These things come faster than one thinks. And, um, you know, all industries are going to be affected. And I think you see breaks in all these industries that we thought were protected. And you start seeing chinks in the armor of certain uh, uh, of these uh, these uh, myths that we make of Silicon Valley startups. Um, And that's bad because we need upstarts. Right. We need someone to come along and disrupt Amazon. We need someone to come along and disrupt Facebook or um, Apple or or Netflix or Google or Alphabet or whatever. We need disruptors. And I hope that because with the with the amount of money that's being poured into things like artificial intelligence as an industry, quantum computing as an industry, um, machine learning as a bigger, bigger industry, um, you know, um, developing blockchain technology and crypto as as a as a whole, I, I I don't I hope we get companies that reinvent this industry and pump lifeblood into it. Um, The one of the things that definitely disturbed me is the fact that in this article, they said, Hey, you should just start a less technical tech company, right? One that you big tech can't force you out of. Um, What is it? Yeah. Start a company that's less technical and that's bad. Right? I mean, Peter Thiel has been talking about this for years where he says like, we were, prom- you know, I think the old adage, we were promised flying cars and all we got was 140 characters back when Twitter was 140 characters only. And yeah, because bits are easier than atoms, but we need people trying to solve hard technical problems, And the, the best places where that's happening still is startups and public and privately funded research. Generally speaking, it's more privately funded and and, and venture capital backed startups and institutions that are doing the line share, particularly with AI, but but more more importantly with quantum and the Internet of Things and you know, blockchain and, and cryptocurrencies and stuff like that. Um, more blockchain and cryptocurrencies per se. Um, but if you're starting less technical companies, you're just creating more DoorDashes, Ubers, and Etsy's. And those have their place, but there's hard problems that need to be solved. And I think startups are the only way you're going to do that. And um, that means we might have to start democratizing technology, you know, implementing hardcore uh, robotic process automation and really, really leveraging machine learning and AI. But who builds those things? And there's a, short, and there's a talent shortage in that industry, which is why people are getting quarter million to 500000 to a million dollars a year particularly when they you know particularly when they're coming out of academia but specifically because like these startups that start starting a startup particularly on the software side is actually a lot cheaper than it used to be and but if you come up with something clever and you come up with something cool you know you're you're nine times under ten going to get snatched up i don't know that 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 notion of all the things that would improve the competitiveness of startups definitely definitely not a fan uh, of that We should be trying hard things all the time. Anyway, I've rambled on enough. That's my two cents. I would like you guys, I would like to thank you guys for logging into this mini episode of Thank You For Your Servers. And you guys have a happy new year.